What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Skin Wade, and you're listening to The Step Back, a badass name podcast. Welcome into another edition of The Step Back, everybody. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg, and I'm joined as always by my DallasBasketball.com colleague and co-host, Matt Galatson. We got a good one on deck for you guys tonight. Matt and I, we're going to start off talking about some Mavs trade scenarios, uh, particularly involving the historically large trade exception that they got. Uh, from the Harrison Barnes deal earlier this past season uh, if they end up with picks two, three, or four in the draft. And then uh, Matt and I will then rank our top ten Mavs free agency targets, assuming that they don't keep the pick. We'll do a pipe dream section, and then we'll do a more realistic top ten there. And then we're going to have our guy Skin Wade on uh, for a segment towards the end there. You heard him uh in the opening there for us so he's going to come on we're going to talk about adjusting to life without Dirk Nowitzki and we're going to talk about the Mavs offseason and and his expectations uh, going into this summer so all that and more is coming up but as you guys know we can't get this thing started until we let you listen to Drew Pot. Yeah, it's the Mavericks, all about action. Don't do no acting, no Samuel Jackson. Dirk get the ball, you know that it's magic. Post move deadly, yeah, it get tragic. Look with the ball, yeah, it get nasty. He'll drop 30, don't gotta ask him. Got Chris Stapps, coach at the Adam, I spaz like Dallas. Said that I'm rapping, God. If Luca shoot the ball, you know that it's cash. But my boy still living the past. Now he got my boy Chris Stapps, looking like Dirk and Nash in the gap. They just wanna ring, wanna fill the gap on your team head. I ain't talking hats, dang, go relax. Still ain't a champ, Defense still coming with the calibers. All right, Matt, we got a lot to talk about tonight. And like I said earlier, we plan on having Skin Wade on here in just a little bit. But before he comes on, uh, we're going to talk about some Mavs trade scenarios, um, specifically when it comes to the trade exception and if they were to get, say, pick two, three, or four in the draft. Because, I mean, it's it's not impossible that they could trade the pick if they ended up with the number one pick, but I think I think we're both comfortable saying that that they would you know stay there and and pick Zion Williamson. At least I hope that's what they would do. But let's say they don't. Let's say they get pick number two, three, or four, and they look at some trade scenarios with the uh, you know the trade exception because if you keep the pick. Uh, it's going to eat into your cap space, and let's say they've you know gone through back channels, and they know they're not going to get a guy like Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson or somebody like that. So they decide to use the trade exception. Uh, Matt, one guy, and I, I've got a list of guys here, but the top guy on my list that I would be looking at to use that trade exception and you know pairing with one of those picks is Drew Holiday, because I, you know, most people anticipate that Anthony Davis is going to get traded this summer and if and when he is traded it doesn't really make much sense you know for the Pelicans to to keep Drew Holiday and his big contract you know on the team anymore they 
They'll probably look to get younger. They'll probably, you know, try to try to break up that team. You think uh, you think pick number two, three, or four, you know, plus the trade exception would be enough to get Drew Holiday from New Orleans? I think probably pick two or three. I'm not sure how how deep they would go, um, but I really like that idea. I mean, Drew Holiday's great. He's a great fit next to Luca. Um, my only concern would be, you know. I mean, I don't I actually, you know what? I really have too many concerns about it. I think it'd be a perfect fit. Um, I do too. It's you you wonder if they would want to maybe uh get something else in the deal besides the the trade exception and the pick just because he's a really valuable guy. Um but I I really like that idea. I think it's great. You know, he does things on both ends of the floor that they need, so Yeah, and um, and and let me let me clarify what I was saying about the if if I'm correct, you know, with what I've looked up with the trade exception stuff, you can't you can't pair other players with it. So like, say say the Pelicans wanted you know Jalen Brunson as part of the deal too, which you know I wouldn't do it if they wanted Brunson too. But say that they did, you can't pair Jalen Brunson with the trade exception. So like, but picks before you actually select a player, that it's just a pick. You can pair that with a trade exception so that's the only reason i bring i bring that up it, and it might not be enough for the the pelicans to pull the trigger but you know pick that high and drew holiday he's 28 years old about to be 29 this summer uh, so i mean you, you never know it could happen but i mean he, he averages 21 points uh almost eight assists five rebounds per game uh he's 33% from three this year, so not great, but we know he's capable of more than that. And he's just a great defender. I, but like you said, he's a perfect fit next to Luka. Uh, he gives you your 3 and D wing that we desperately need. And I just think if they are going to use that trade exception, I think you have to start there. Yeah, no, I think that's a great place to start. Um Another guy that I would really mine's more the, the one I was thinking about is actually a little bit more of a long shot, and people will probably call me crazy, but you know that doesn't mean I can can't dream, right? Um, dream I was away. thinking about. <laughs> I mean, I know you like to do that, so um, I was thinking about Miles Turner, like just because I know I'm not sure what Indiana wants to do. They probably want to keep everything together. I'm not saying they don't, um, but you know maybe. Maybe they can be persuaded with a high draft pick, and because they do need a, they do need a point guard. And if the Mavericks get number two or number three, there's every possibility in the world that you know um, John Morant will be there, and he could be the guy they're looking for. You never know. So if they want to if they want to pair, you know, the second pick and the trade exception, so they can get Morant and they send Turner over to the Mavericks, then you know I think that would be the best yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I, I can't even I, imagine i can't even explain how happy i would be about that yeah and I, i'm glad you brought up miles turner because uh i have i have four bullet po- bullet points listed here with you know players that i would like to see uh the Mavs target with the the trade exception as far as you know how likely those are and drew was first i think that's the most likely uh situation given what's going on with anthony davis and then um uh, I'll get to my number two here in a second, but number three, I, I had Miles Turner listed with uh, Sabonis, so I, I think it could go either way because 
you know, uh, you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier in the day. You know, they're probably eventually they're going to choose between one of those guys. And I mean, you you would assume it would be Miles Turner, but I mean, I don't know. You you just don't know what a team is thinking at a certain time. I mean, and they just gave Miles Turner that twenty twenty million dollar a year contract, uh, which know, I don't think is years. enough for him, by the way. Well, I, I think it's fair. I mean, he's he's really good, but, you know, with the way centers are valued today, especially in the playoffs, as we've seen this year, I mean, uh, I think 20 is a good number for him. I, I actually think that would be good for Vucevic this summer, you know, a good solid number for him, and it wouldn't be, you know, too overboard there. But anyway, uh, I remember it was like not even 24 hours before the – the Miles Turner deal uh, broke on Twitter. I remember Tim McMahon tweeting out that the Mavs were interested in Turner, and I think they were going to like pursue him uh, in restricted free agency. And then not too long after that, it's like, bam, he got his big deal, and that that dream was very short lived. But <laughs> so so. Uh, not much came of that, but we do know at this point that the Mavs have interest in Miles Turner. So I could see that that being a possibility. I don't know if Indiana would do it, but like you said, they do need a point guard. And if the Mavs do end up, especially with the number two pick, because you know Zion's going to go first and then uh, Morant will be available at number two. So I, I could definitely see that. But, but hey, what, uh, if the, what if the Phoenix Suns actually want to trade out of the number one spot? Can you imagine I, that? I can't even fathom that right now. I mean, I guess I, I guess I can because the Suns are the Suns, and you know they've been, they've desperately needed a point guard for years. Even though they had Bledsoe and Drogic, and uh, they had who else did they have? Oh, Isaiah Thomas before he, you know, before he messed himself up with his injuries, but. Uh, so they, they blew that situation up, and they haven't had a, a decent point guard since. So I guess I could see it, but it's it would not be a smart move on their part. That, that's such that's so much more of like a Knicks or Kings move, though, it feels like. Don't, doesn't it sound like that? It does, but, I mean, when you're looking at these teams, the Suns, the Knicks, the Kings, and the Kings are closer than the other two, but, you know, they, they – ha- these teams haven't made the playoffs in so many years, and there's a reason for that. You know, Robert Sarver with the Suns, he just – I don't know, man. I i don't follow a lot of Suns people on Twitter, but the, the few that I do, I've seen people calling for for uh, Sarver to step down. And well, sorry, the Kings were closer, but then they just fired their coach. So now they're probably going to go, you know, straight back to hell. Like I don't, I don't understand what that was about. The whole thing's a mess. Yeah, Suns fired their coach too. It's just, whoo, buddy, it's it's something. I mean, the Knicks, and there's no telling. The Knicks traded Porzingis, and they're they're just banking on Kevin Durant and Kyrie coming this summer. So if that doesn't, they're probably going to be disappointed. (laughs) If that doesn't pan out, then. They're going to be just as dis- disappointed as the other two teams we've discussed. But anyway, uh, I'll let you name if you have another scenario. You can name another one too. But uh, before we do that, 
I'm probably going to make you mad with the last one on my list. So I'm going to go back to number two that I skipped over, but it's Steven Adams. And, you know, the, the Thunder, they haven't made it out of the first round of the playoffs uh, since Kevin Durant left. Uh, everybody knows by now, you know, they saw how the Thunder season ended at the hands of Dame Dalla. <laughs> with that, Dude, we need to talk about that, too, but we, keep going. <laughs> we, got, we may save that for skin because I'm sure he has some – has some thoughts on that too but you know 40 foot three-pointer at the buzzer and then waved goodbye to the thunder bench so it's another first round exit for okc uh russell westbrook he just he just can't get it together he he's a triple double machine but it almost feels like it's just mostly empty stats he he can't get over the hump when it matters and if the thunder decide to break things up then that's who i'm looking at is is steven adams because steven adams this year he's averaging 14 points uh 10 rebounds two assists per game he shoots 60 percent from the field and let me look at his blocks here okay so he only averages one block a game so he's not he's not a rim protector but we have porzingis for that but he rebounds the ball well he's a high energy guy sets really hard screens just a just a guy that you want to have on your team what, what do you think about the possibility of uh going after steven adams with that trade exception well i mean so the thunder have to do something they, you think they can't so. they can't stay they can't stay where they are because they've got westbrook westbrook's contract eating up space they've got paul george george's contract eating up space Schroeder's eating up space, and they don't have any draft picks. I, I was listening to a, a Ringer podcast earlier. I didn't even know, I didn't even remember they had traded their draft picks away for I think it's twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty two. So, like they have to do something. So I think you know Adams is a guy that they could make available, and it now, would make and it would make sense for the Mavs too, wouldn't it? It would. Yes, in in theory, but he did not look great in the postseason, <laughs> and he he kind of seemed to be wearing down a little bit, um, you know, towards the end of the season. And you know, he plays really hard, so I'm not I I'm not going to write him off just yet because of that. But it's just I wonder if he's put so much wear and tear on his body that maybe you know it's finally starting to catch up to him or maybe he just had like a he just had a really tough year i don't know but you know theoretically with the things that he does and the energy that he plays with i think that would be a fantastic fit um he's one of the most tenacious rebounders in the nba and that would obviously be great for the mavericks i mean you remember what happened in in you know when they played the mavericks early earlier this season he dominated them like he 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 pushed everybody around. He was a beast. And I'd love to see that, you know, 75 to 80, 82 times a season. Yeah, um, and then it, it's interesting when you look at it because, you know, Adams, he makes around $24, $25 million a year. Uh, that trade exception that the Mavs created with the Harrison Barnes trade, I believe it was a little over $21 million, if I'm not mistaken. I, I need to look that up. But, uh, you know, if that's the case, I'm not exactly sure how that works. If they, if they uh, tried to trade for Adams and just pair the trade exception with the pick, 
Uh, but, you know, going back to Miles Turner for a quick second, he would fit perfectly. Uh, you know, he he's making – well, starting with the 2019-2020 season, when when that extension kicks in, he's making 18 million a year, and so that that would be perfect. And so financially, and if we're just talking about merely sending a pick for a player, and you know the other teams deciding to blow it up, uh, I think that's what you have to look at. But look, we'll wrap this part up. But I've got to mention this last name on my list, and I know you're going to be mad about it, but it's Draymond Green. No, dude, I can't. No, like that's a bad idea. I'm not. Gonna, I'm, I'm not going to let you stand on the soapbox and talk about the most overrated, overpaid player in the NBA. No, hey, I'm look, sorry. Look, 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 look. I'm not. I'm not saying that that's my preference. I'm just saying, you know, you you read the tea leaves a little bit. And There's you, no tea leaves to read, Dalton. There, it's not, no. <laughs> Stop. There is. There is though. <laughs> There is because I mean, look, he he's twenty nine. He averages seven seven and seven. Uh, he's had a horrible year shooting wise. But if you look at his contract, which I'm trying to pull up right here, he's got starting next year will be the last year of his contract, and it'll be it'll be eighteen million. So if you just absolutely hate, like let's just say let's say you like the prospects for the second and third spot okay well if you let's say you get the fourth pick and you're the Mavs do you I think that would be worth sending to Golden State with that trade exception to get you know at least one year of Draymond just to see how it goes uh, I mean you think that one year of Draymond at you said 18 million yeah he'd be an expiring contract so, 29-year-old shitty basketball player Draymond Green is worth the number four pick and the biggest trade exception in NBA history? Well, look, the trade exception doesn't mean as much. And Look, I, I, I have to repeat this again. He is not my preference. I'm just saying if the Mavs don't like – and we know how Donnie has been. You know, he's – this master scout and he's got these master scouts working for him and he knows when he loves a player i'm just saying if and it's a big if if they got that pick and they don't like anybody if they don't love anybody at that spot then you know i could see them considering it but i mean it's not my preference but you know golden state they're not going to keep this current roster together much longer I don't think they're still going to win the title this year, but uh, you know, after this year, I think things are going to start falling apart for them, and I think uh, Draymond is one of the the odd men out in that situation. But okay, well, I wouldn't trade a second round pick in DJ Mbanga for Draymond Green. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, well, I think he's you're... not a good basketball player. Look, we know how you can be pretty harsh on on players. I mean, we be be honest. You don't. I'm being like, honest. He's not like, a good basketball player. He can't shoot. He can't really defend that well anymore. He he rebounds at an average rate, and like yeah, he's pretty good at like passing, I guess. But that's about it. Like that's really the only thing that he's like excelled at this year. He's gotten exposed all year long. And, like, he just has this tough guy persona and gets in people's heads. That's not worth a top five pick. 
Yeah. Well, like I said, it's not my preference. I wouldn't do it. No, I know. But I know. I get you know, fired up about Draymond. <laughs> you know what I mean. And you, you are a little harsh on Kemba, so I had to, I had to uh, throw that out there. I okay. Know. Well, I would take Kemba fifty-five times over Draymond. Make note of that, everybody. Matt Galatson just endorsed Kimba Walker to the Mavs. Okay. Um, wow. What kind of what what, <laughs> what 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 kind of political games are you playing here? I don't know. I look. We're we're not going to talk about that anymore because I knew All that right. was gonna I knew that was gonna be a that was gonna throw a, a wrench into things. But anyway, moving on, we're gonna quickly go over this, and then we're gonna have our guy Skin Wade come on with us, but. Top ten Mavs free agency targets this year. As far as you know, the the first list we're just gonna do it. There's no, there's no filters. You know, it can be anybody. It can be the biggest pipe dream, whatever. Just top ten free agents, and then after that, we're just gonna talk about a couple of guys that are more realistic. But uh, you want, you want me to go first or you? Well, I'll go first because mine's probably gonna be a little bit more. Uh, controversial than yours I can't imagine that <laughs> well you know we all know how I feel about Kimball Walker um, but okay so so I'm starting with the pipe dream guys <clears throat> um, my top two are Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard and then Clay Thompson and then Kyrie Irving um, so plan K all the way and, uh, <laughs> and then Jimmy Butler, uh, Tobias Harris, Vucevic, um, actually no Tobias Harris and then Chris Middleton and then Vucevic and then D'Angelo Russell and Eric Bledsoe and then Kemba Walker would be number 11 on that list. Um, I mean, well, well, you you go ahead. I'll I'll give my well. I just I I don't think Kimball Walker is a good fit at all. Um, I think I mean obviously Kevin Durant's the best player in the world, so he's going to be number one. But I think you could you could go either way with with Clay Thompson or Kawhi Leonard. Um, I think Kawhi is the better player, obviously, but you know Clay is just such a sublime fit. For everything that the Mavericks do, um, <clears throat> well, he and he, he never he never dribbles the ball either. So you have to fit. He's twenty nine years old, but you have to figure he's going to be like he's going to be like Ray Allen. He's he's gonna he could play until he's forty, and he's still going to be a dead eye three point shooter. So, well, yeah, and also, did you see his face in that interview where they did that like five player thing yes. with like him and KD and all that? Yeah, he looked gone. Well, to to be fair, he always looks gone. <laughs> okay, well maybe he was stoned. I don't know, but like to me, it just kind of looked like, why am I here? This is stupid. I'm not even going to be here next year anyway. Yeah, um, Kevin Durant had that same that same look. I, the The question that was presented to those guys was, it was like, why would anybody ever want to leave this situation? You know, it's such a perfect situation. And then that's when. That's when Clay and KD kind of gave those faces, like, uh. like actually, this kind of sucks, dude. <laughs> I have to put up with Draymond freaking Green every day, and 
like, I, I have to live in uh, just get out of here um, no but then I, I, I probably rated Jimmy Butler a little bit high but you know he's such a good player I know he's a headache but he's he's such a good player on both ends um, but I mean do you want me to go on to my more realistic list or you want well, to list I'm, your pipe dream list first yeah I'll go ahead and give mine I it's you know it's similar to yours but in order from top to bottom I've got Kawhi Leonard first mainly because he's the he's the youngest of the of the uh, the top three with Clay Kevin Durant and him so I've got Kawhi up there first you know he he, he would just be such a perfect fit offensively defensively uh, you know he can just he does everything you want he's got a personality that would you know just fit perfect with this with this Dallas team and the culture that's been built uh, he'd be a perfect player next to next to Luca just like Clay Thompson and uh, some of these other guys would be but anyway I've got Kawhi I've got Clay Thompson Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving Chris Middleton Jimmy Butler if it's a short deal Kimball Walker seventh. Malcolm Brogdon, eighth, Vucevic ninth, and then Boyan Bogdanovich tenth. Okay, wow. So you don't even have Tobias on your list. I don't, and that's just because I I don't know. I just I I had him. I like Tobias Harris, but after talking to a few people after the the last podcast, you know, where I was thinking that he was only going to get a little over 20 million a year there's some people out there that think he's going to get a lot more than that and if that's the case then i'm probably out on tobias harris so i don't i don't want it to be a a harrison barnes situation i think he's better than harrison barnes but you know how much he's loads better than harrison barnes but i see where you're coming from yeah i mean i I, from from what people have told me that he's probably going to get this summer i I don't know. I'm probably out on that. But anyway, I think the most realistic players on this on that list that I gave, you know, in order as far as the Mavs actually having a realistic shot at, uh, not just pipe dream, is Kimba Walker, Jimmy Butler, Brogdon, and Vucevic. So, and I mean, obviously you've got some other second tier, third tier guys that you could throw in there. But as far as like big names. I think Kimba Walker and Jimmy Butler are the the two big names to keep an eye on. I I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think I'm like more confident than you about like the guys that are more realistic. What do you mean? Well, like I have on my like I have some of the names you mentioned on like my more realistic list that like I feel pretty confident they could go out and get. Well, I mean. <laughs> It wouldn't shock me if they did. I think they're. I think the Mavs are one of the biggest free agency dark horses this off season. But you know, given the the recent history, and again, I know it's not the same because we didn't have Luca, didn't have Porzingis. It's a different situation than what they've had in years past. But I mean, if you're just look. If you're looking at who is probably more likely, like I could, I could definitely see Kimba Walker leaving the Charlotte Hornets to come to the Dallas Mavericks. Then you know, say Kawhi Leonard leaving the number one seed or the number two seed 
Raptors in the East or Clay Thompson leaving the the defending champion Warriors. You know, I'm looking at team situation more than anything else. Well, that's why I have Malcolm Brogdon on my more realistic list. I mean, because I I don't think that they're going to – like, I think that Chris Middleton is going to get a big contract, and I think he's going to kind of get squeezed out. Should I just go through my realistic list? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. All right, so my more realistic list is Bohan Bogdanovich, Vucevic, then Brogdon, then Tobias Harris, then because um, I like I'm, I'm thinking about this as like not only who I want, but like also kind kind of trying to balance with I think who they have a better chance of signing. Um, so that's why in this case, um, Brogdon's ahead of Harris, and then uh, Dragic, obviously. Uh, Pat Beverly, J.J. Redick, Danny Green, Jonas Valanciunas, Terrence Ross, and Alfred Camino. I like it. I like it. I, look, and uh, just for time's sake, I'm not going to talk about all these guys, but Aminu, you mentioned last. I mean, I would absolutely love it if if he fell through the cracks this summer. And Obviously, you want the top plans to go through first, but if they don't, he would be a very, very good consolation prize. I would, I would be so, I would be, I would be so ready to just like kick Dorian to the curb if that happened, because <laughs> he like he 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 does everything better, and yeah, know. I mean he's he's kind of what we all hoped that that Dorian Finney Smith could turn into, develop into, because uh, when Aminu came to Dallas, Rick Carlisle completely revitalized his career he uh you know he he helped him with his three-point shot uh that that series against the Rockets in the first round which was a a brief series but Aminu played amazing which led to him getting a payday from from Portland and they love him there he may not even leave Portland I don't know but uh it'd be it'd be nice to see the chief back in Dallas so yeah and uh I, I absolutely fell in love with him the last time he was in Dallas. Um, I don't know. I just I think he would be really great. Well, um, and look, we we could we could keep talking about this all night because I know we, we we wrote down a lot of names here. We've we've thought about a couple of different trade scenarios the Mavs could uh, potentially look into if they they keep their draft pick, but. You know, we've got a long time, at least three more weeks, uh, to ponder all this stuff and talk more in depth about it. But, uh, Matt, we're going to take a quick break here. And then on the other side, we've got Skin Wade. Uh, He's going to be talking about the Mavs adjusting to life without Dirk. And then we're going to get his expectations for this exciting offseason that awaits us. So hang with us. We'll be right back. All right, guys, we're back, and we've got our guy Skin Wade from the Ben and Skin Show with us tonight. Skin, how you feeling? Feeling really good, man. We got uh, a lot of good playoff basketball going on in the background. Boy, things are looking up in the Mav world as well. I just don't know that I could be in a better basketball mood, gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's definitely looking up for the Mavs. We've, we've got a fun offseason ahead. 
Uh, we're also glad that, you know, you're physically able to join us tonight because I saw you were in some messy stuff last night. <laughs> All that rain. Lord have mercy. So that was, let's see, we were supposed to fly out of New York at 4.30 Dallas time. And by the time I ended up getting to my house in Allen, it was like 1 a.m. I mean, it was, Good uh, Lord. I've, I've, I've sat on the tarmac before, before taking off because of problems. I've never sat on the tarmac for an hour or 45 minutes or whatever it was after landing 30 feet from the gate because <laughs> lightning was so bad they were too scared to put the gate up next to the plane. The damnedest a, thing, man. I saw you post that picture from the, the plane window and it was pouring down so hard and I was just like, man, I, I really hope that skin doesn't float away here but <laughs> dude and the, and the plane the wind was blowing so hard the plane was kind of you know moving a little bit it wasn't yeah. it wasn't crazy but occasionally it would move and everybody kind of look at each other like well that ain't normal <laughs> and then it, when you really start going man am i about to die on a plane just sitting on a runway when they start going whatever you do do not throw your cup away we have to reuse these plastic cups i'm thinking god this is going to be like a cannibalism situation here any minute we're running out of resources it's a disaster now i was talking to matt and uh all of a sudden he was just like well i'm probably not going to be able to do the podcast tomorrow because we have like hurricane weather here in the dallas fort worth area (laughs) that was brutal i was about to get in my car and drive home and then i had to run out to my car and it was literally like a 10 foot like distance between the the door of this parking garage and my car and when I got in my car, it looked like I had just jumped out of a pool. Oh, man. What, what part of town were you in? I was in Victory Park at the time. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, obviously I spent a lot of time at the airport, but I heard Lovefield's parking garage got flooded yes. out. Man, it was, that sucks. It was ridiculous. And then I drove from, from Victory Park over to where I live in Lakewood. And I, I could maybe see five feet in front of me driving, so I was going like 10 miles an hour. And my car was kind of blowing back and forth. And so I texted Dalton. I was like, I might be underwater tomorrow. Well, that was a great decision to text in the middle of driving in that hurricane yeah. condition. I, I was under a bridge. I was, I was under a bridge. I was under okay, a bridge. Okay, okay. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I, like I told Matt, that two out of the last three pods, it's been absolutely, it's been like monsoon weather here in Mississippi. So it's about time that, that Matt got some and, and I didn't. So <laughs> there you go. But anyway, we'll we'll jump right into it here before we before we get to uh, you know your Mavs expectations for this off season skin. I uh, just wanted to talk to you a little bit about you know the Mavs adjusting to life without Dirk because we a lot of people knew it was a possibility that he was going to hang it up after this year, but he never formally announced anything so there was some hope that he might come back and play with Porzingis and Luca next year and then that last home game and the the ceremony afterwards he he dropped the bomb on everybody and now he's gone there you know there's there's no more Dirk I mean he's going to be around the team but he's not going to be on the court anymore how do you see this team adjusting in the immediate afterlife uh of the Dirk era well I think you know they're in good hands from the standpoint of, you know, Luca is ready to be the guy from, um, you know, not just an on the floor thing, but just the way he believes about himself. Like, I think there's a lot of young players that, you know, would panic in this situation or 
uh, not realize they're not ready for it, and then the moment happens, and then they would realize. And they would, they, I just don't think Luke is that guy. But one thing that you know, I do feel like is that Dirk is is once in a lifetime. Like no matter how good Luca is or is going to be or, or whatever that is, you know, his personality is way different than Dirk's. And you know, I, I'm I think it's going to be great. And I think it's going to work out well for a long time. But you just can't sell short what it's like having a person as good as a person as Dirk is and having everything funneled through that. There's very few franchises in any sport that get that opportunity. So you can have your best player be incredible and he can be a great dude and all those sorts of things. But, but Dirk is extra, extra special as a person. So that will have an impact and that will be different. I'm not saying it's going to be worse necessarily, but uh, the great, and I do mean great, Randy Galloway, who's one of the most revered sports uh, media figures of all time here in the Dallas-Fort Worth. Legendary guy, legendary writer, legendary broadcaster. But he had a phrase that he would throw around, and I used to laugh when I heard it. But, man, I thought about it a lot this year. And his phrase was, Dirk saves all butts. And it just... <laughs> It doesn't matter how bad a coach or a front office decision maker or a player or whatever. It doesn't matter how bad that person screws up. Dirk is going to save your ass. He just is. And not just by being great on the court either. You know, another way that I was thinking about it this year is the, you know, sort of messy stuff that happened in the Mavericks business office. And it was a big Sports Illustrated article and all that. And I think... You know, for other teams, it becomes even worse but because fans don't relate to what's happening in the business office. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like nobody, nobody, I don't want to say people don't care about it, but they don't cheer for it. And so while that was the representation of the team, you still had Dirk to kind of clean the mess up. And and it, uh, and, and it, that's just, that just, you know, made me think of that Galloway phrase because it's so true it's like having a guy that transcendent just really saves everybody's asses and he did it for 20 years and now he's gone so luca might be incredible and luca might end up being a really good dude and you know you know you're not going to know that when the guy's 20 or whatever all those things may be true but the real truth is that dirk isn't here anymore so the fact that you had this guy that saved your ass for two decades is gone you can't really quantify that until you find yourself in certain situations. Right. And I mean, like you said, it, he can't, he can't save everybody now. So I feel like the front office and I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, Donnie Nelson or, or Rick Carlisle, I'm, I'm not saying that they're all of a sudden going to be on a hot seat or anything. Cause all those guys are no. extremely close and I think they can stay in Dallas as long as they, they want to stay in Dallas. But you know, everything that they do now is going to be magnified a little bit more, you know, now that now that it's the, the new era with the younger players. And hopefully we've seen the, the last of all the, the big amount of losses in each season. I, I think they're really going to turn a corner next year with the roster they'll have. But, Matt, what are your thoughts on the Mavs adjusting to life without Dirk? Well, I mean, obviously it's going to be really difficult, but – from what I understand, you know, and and what you know, Cuban said after the after the his final home game and the retirement thing is he's going to be around 
I mean, that's the way I took it is he's always going to be around. So even if he's not, you know, there from the day to day stuff and, you know, doing all the, the things that he used to do, you know, he's still going to be around for these guys to talk to and, and go to if they need advice. And, you know, I'm speaking specifically of KP and, and Luca and Brunson, but you know, he, he's always going to, he's going to continue to have a positive impact on the franchise. And I think that's going to be big. You know, a lot of, a lot of NBA stars that retire don't really hang around uh, as much, but he he's very vocal about the fact that you know Dallas is his home and the Mavericks are his family. So I think that's really important to remember. I mean, obviously it's it's going to be tough not having him at maybe at practice every day or in the weight room or you know whatever. But I th- I think that they're still going to be able to count on him, and it's gonna is really going to help you know Luca and KP continue to grow as professionals. Yeah, and I mean, the the way I look at it with Dirk, you, you hear a lot of people say that they think that their team is family, and uh, I mean, it really is that way with Dirk, because I mean, he played 21 years, he's 40 years old, so he's been a Dallas Maverick more in his life than he hasn't been, so <laughs> so I mean, that that really is part of his family, and I do think that he's going to stick around and help the young guys continue to grow. So, moving on to our next subject, uh, skin, and then I'm gonna we're gonna take a little lighter note and talk about some some good whiskey that that you know about. But, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> but uh, just looking forward into this off season, and Matt and I we we discussed it in the first half of this pod before we had you on. Uh, we listed some players we're keeping our eyes on, and you know if uh, if they get picked two three or four in the lottery and they decide that they don't like who's available there and they want to try and make a trade of some kind just what are you what are you keeping an eye on heading into this into this offseason what are your expectations for the Mavs because they have a lot of options yeah they, they do have a lot of options and you know I think I think you can start having some extraordinary dreams if if they do get the number one pick that's where you start going whoa wow, what what really could be next? Like, could we really talk a sharpshooter from a West Coast team and to come in or a, a former MVP? You know, are those things possible with your cap space if you end up getting that number one pick because then you become so very desirable for as a location, which you, I think they already are. But I think I think having expectations that, a, that an A-lister is going to come to your team, you know, I think that's probably, you know, shooting for the moon and probably unrealistic unless that number one pick happens, then maybe you can start thinking about these things. And a lot of these things don't, you know, let's not forget are engineered by agents. I mean, it's always going to be the, what the player wants. And a lot of times his family and friends around him and those sorts of things, but your situation changes so dramatically. If you get that lucky, if you don't get that lucky and you don't get the number one pick, um, you know, then I think the Mavericks probably look to, uh, see what they can do to trade that pick or convey the pick or, you know, to Atlanta. Um, there would be a lot of, you know, machinations involved in that. But, you know, what, what I think a lot of people lose sight of is, and this comes down to draft evaluations, right? We can go to all the draft websites and see what they think and watch, you know, stuff ourselves and see what we think. But you don't know what the Mavericks front office and scouts think. But I, I do believe this based on their history and their actions. If they judge or deem this draft the way most analysts do, to where this is a two-player draft, 
or depending on how you feel about R.J. Barrett, a three-player draft. I mean, sometimes I watch R.J. Barrett play, and I go, well, that looks like Evan Turner to me. But, <laughs> hell, I mean, I, I thought Evan Turner was going to be an incredible player coming out of Ohio State, so what the hell do I know? But the point being is that Zion's can't miss. Is can't miss. Um, I think Jarrah, uh, I'm sorry, I think John Morant is kind of can't miss. It's hard to say that about a guy playing his position that shoots the ball the way he does, but he's just so freaking dynamic, and I think the turnovers will cut down. I think those two guys are, are pretty close to can't-miss style players. Well, after that, if you're sitting there with the third pick in the draft, and you're drafting a guy that in most years you think is going to be the 13th best player, you don't want to have him at a number three pick salary slot. That's especially if your eyes are on building your team through free agency now that you have, uh, you know, two young superstars. So if I think I got a guy that's a, you know, number 13 caliber player, I don't want to pay him $6 million in his second year. You know, that's <laughs> if I think he's a $2 million player. So that right. that's part of the thing that goes into all this talk about. Well, why would they give up the third or fourth pick? Well, there's a lot that goes into it, how they're going to build the team, how they view these players and all those kinds of things. So having said all that, uh, I think what's most likely, unless something really miraculous happens, is I think they're able to get two or three really good players with their cap space that fit what they want to do. And I really, quite frankly, think that if they stay healthy, they make the jump to a 45 to 47 win team next year because they already have two elite players under the age of 25 well I, I kind of agree with skin I mean I can't really put it any better than that I've I've obviously got my my two or three good players in mind that I you know would really like to see but um, it's I, I the one thing I do I, I don't necessarily agree that it's a even a three-player draft but I'm a little I'm a little higher on a couple of the other guys than I think most people are, which might explain that. But you know, it in the end, if if you don't get the can't miss guys like Zion and Ja Morant, it's for me it's worth going out and trying to make a trade if you get pick three or four and adding the trade exception to it because any guy that you get, especially with the timeline that they seem to be on, any guy that you get with a trade in that scenario is going to be able to help you immediately. So, yeah, you know, yeah, and I mean, it, I'd, I'd love to get skin's thoughts on this too, but earlier, uh, before we had you on skin, we were talking about, you know, some different trade scenarios. Like say, say that a player becomes available on draft night before mm-hmm. and say the Mavs do keep their pick and it's in that two, three, four range. You know, you could theoretically you could pair that trade exception with a pick. You can't pair it with another player, but you could pair it with a pick to right. bring to bring in another player. And you know, the the top guy on my list uh, was Drew Holiday. I don't know, I don't know how you feel about that, but it, and it doesn't have to be that exact player. But you know, it's it's a possibility because you know they have a, I believe it's twenty one million dollar trade exception just sitting there if if they want to use it if an opportunity presents itself okay uh so i i love i love that idea and i think it's a great idea um you know without having uh salaries in front of me my guess is that drew holiday wouldn't fit in that trade exception i'm imagining he's making more than that but conceptually i love the idea right i think it's a great idea i think it makes a hell of a lot of sense also as a player I think 
Drew Holiday is the exact kind of quote unquote point guard to put alongside uh, Luke Doncic because he's shown that he easily plays off the ball. He's an excellent defensive player. He doesn't turn the ball over much. He's become a really, really consistent shooter. He can create. I mean, he's, you know, uh, create him in a lab. I think he's an ideal, quote-unquote, point guard to play alongside Luka. Great size, all those things. I absolutely adore that player. And uh, I love that sort of thinking. And the Mavericks were very, very interested in him during his last free agency. I think you guys probably remember the talk about that. There were right. rumors about it. Those, those, those were accurate. Those were true. The Mavericks really, really coveted that player. So, you know, that sort of thing makes a heck of a lot of sense. And I remember, you know, you can't, uh, the, the players got to fit into the trade exception, you know, when you acquire them, right? So if you have 21, right. you can't be making 23 or whatever. But right. uh, that sort of thinking is a great line of thinking. And you can make that trade, obviously, up until, you know, you can make that trade on draft day or the days once the season ends leading up to the trade. So uh, leading up to the, the draft. I didn't mean to say trade deadline, the draft, draft <laughs> yeah. day. Well, so, no, no. yeah, that's that's great thinking. Absolutely. I looked it up while you were saying that. He he makes $26 million a year, so I don't know. I know you can't pay, pair the trade exception with other players like on the Mavs end. I don't know if the Pelicans could send over the – Yeah, it's, it's hard, uh, you know, and, man, listen, I'm, I'm, uh, I've gotten old, guys, so i got to go back and reread stuff all the time because <laughs> I forget it. Um especially when it comes down to collective bargaining agreement stuff. Um, Which, let me tell you, lawyers will do the same thing. They don't just shoot from the hip. They go back and reread that stuff. But, um, but yeah, I think the player's entire salary has to fit inside the trade exception. Uh, Whether or not you can do it within a percentage, I don't believe that to be the case, but, hell, maybe I'm wrong on that. But, theoretically, what you guys are talking about, trading the pick – you know, for a player that's making, you know, $20 million a year that fits, that's the sort of thing you can do. And that's the sort yeah. of thing that, that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. And I, we won't talk about this. This will be the last, you know, Mavericks related thing we, we say here and then we'll move on. But one guy that would fit within that, that trade exception and if they could make something work is Miles Turner from Indiana. I know they just gave him an extension. He's making $18 million a year starting next year, but you know, they've got Sabonis, too, and if something were to happen there, you know, Tim McMahon mentioned earlier this year that the Mavs were interested in him. So that's another name I think I would keep an eye on if, if they were going to look into using that, that trade exception. <clears throat> the Mavs were very interested in him, and I know that a lot of the guys liked playing with him in the summer, um, especially those games – you know, I, I think you guys remember when Dennis and Dodo and Luca were winning a bunch of games together back in September and, and August when they were running at the Mass facility. You know, the guys who live in town, there's a lot of NBA players that live in town. Former players, current players, Miles Turner's one of them. Uh, Anthony Tolliver's one of them. Montalis is still around. Jed is still around. There's a lot of dudes that were NBA players that were playing in those pickup games. And so... My understanding was that they were all vibing with Miles Turner quite a bit. Uh, so I thought that, you know, one of my hopes was that, you know, the the Pacers looked at it and they would go, okay, we love Sabonis and we love uh, Miles Turner. We're not sure if they can occupy the court together at the same time. I think the jury's still out on that. They're both obviously excellent young players. But, 
Uh, Miles Turner signed what I would consider a team-friendly extension before the season even began. Um, so that kind of took that off the table. Now, to your point, that doesn't mean that Indiana can't turn around and make a trade if they desire to move that player. And right. uh, you know, again, you're you're on the light the right line of thinking, in my opinion, in terms of ways that you could maximize what you get there. Um, so yeah, I mean, he and uh, you know, the question is, okay, well, wait a minute. If Indiana thinks that Turner and Savonis can't play together, then why would we think Turner and KP could play together? I guess there's some debate on that, right? But, um, you know, he's a really good young player, and I'm a huge fan of his. He's also a high-character guy, which the Mavericks covet. So, man, all those those boxes, I would would check those off. Well, Skin, I mean, we really appreciate you coming on and talking with us tonight. Before we let you go here, though, Matt, he's been telling me about this Balcones, is that how you say it, whiskey, and I, I'm i in Mississippi, so I don't have that here. He's uh, he's supposed to be hooking me up with that, but, you know, on, enlighten me. I, I've, I've been telling him all week that I'm going to send him a bottle, and I keep forgetting, but I will do it tomorrow, I promise. What, uh, okay, so let me jump in here, uh, Matt. What have you been drinking? Okay, so for uh, the listeners that are unaware, Balcones is a distillery down in Waco, okay? And uh, the, the master distiller there is a guy named Jared Hempstead, uh, and he's a great dude. Uh, he's I really, really dig his approach, not only to, to whiskey, but the way he views the world. I'm a huge, huge music fan. And I'm not just saying generically, hey, I like old music. Like, if I like something, I learn about it. I can tell you what the producer's done. Like, I, I really get into this stuff. And Jared's the same way. Like, uh, you know, he's a, he's a huge, huge fan of all different kinds of music. And, in fact, a lot of times if you go to the distillery, they'll be playing some late 80s, or early 90s rap because he's into that. Or they'll be playing The Clash or whatever. But uh, he, he treats it like it's a science. Uh, and so he's not going to do something that is uh, just a, a fad within that world or go with the trends. He's going to go what he feels strongly with and what he's passionate about. And so if you ever get a chance to go to the distillery down there in Waco, it's in a cool little part of Waco. Uh, it's across the street. I forget the name of it. There's a great restaurant right across the street. But uh, the distillery is really cool. It's a great place to visit. Um, and and uh, they do the, a lot of different – they don't just make whiskey. They do a lot of different expressions, which is why I'm curious, Matt, what you have already had and what, what you like. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm a big whiskey guy to begin with. I like bourbon a lot. You know, I like, I like pretty much everything. Um, but I've been drinking the Baby Blue. I'm on my – well – so I'm on my second bottle in Dallas, but I also, when I go, my parents live down in Austin. So when I go down to Austin, uh, my dad always asks what I want to drink. And last time I, you know, it was around Christmas, he picked me up a bottle of baby blue. So that's, that's pretty much what I've been on. But I've also had the, uh, the single malt recently. A friend of mine had it and I, I tried it and that was really good too. Um, and I've also had the, uh, the rye 100 proof, which was a a little bit stronger but still just as delicious um but i I haven't had one yeah i I haven't had one that i haven't liked yet okay i've got one for you so uh i'll just go ahead and admit this so i'm kind of a snob about certain things it's not uh it's not a good character (laughs) trait but it's true and uh and so i had kind of been snobby about some of the texas whiskeys because a lot of them it's not really distilled the way they say it is and it's just 
bunch of BS. And a lot of it's not that good, too. So, like you, like when I first started getting into this, I kind of started learning about a lot of the Kentucky bourbon, some of the small batch stuff. And I had my favorites. And so, when we were approached, the Ben and Skin Show, uh, to uh, endorse the product, I was a little apprehensive because uh, and it's, this is not a good thing. This is a flaw. But I had kind of passed judgment going, oh, okay, a Texas whiskey. Got it. It's probably going <laughs> to suck. Uh, and then I had it. And I was like, whoa, this is like really good. Like Ben and I went, we uh, did uh, a tasting, and they were explaining what they do. And I was like, oh, my God, yes, I totally want to endorse this. Uh, and I kind of felt bad about having a snobbish attitude about it. And so I've learned a lot about it. But I also like a lot of bourbons. And one of the things that Balcones just started doing is the Texas pot still bourbon. And it's excellent. And my, uh, you know, friends, like I got friends, like, for example, there's some people on the MAV staff that are uh, went to University of Kentucky and they're from that region. So they're knowledgeable whiskey people. And uh, and they, you know, they, they like good bourbon. And so that, like, I recommend this to them, like, without reservation, not because I'm on the radio saying, hey, buy this. It's like, as a friend, I'm telling you, you need to get this. This is, like, great stuff, dude. Um, and so the ones that I would recommend, if you have, have a friend that's, like, a scotch drinker, get, get them the Texas Single Malt. That's excellent. Um, if you have – the Baby Blue is the one that they kind of say is their most approachable, right? Like, the one that – uh, you know, if people aren't crazy knowledgeable about whiskey and they, you know, they like it, but they're not sure what their, you know, different taste buds are uh, within that world. It's the, it's a great entry point. It's very drinkable, very approachable. People love the baby blue. Uh, and, uh, you know, right now they're big on the Texas pot still bourbon. I like that a lot. That's excellent. They have like a sort of, I guess you would consider it their rum called a rumble. Um, uh, that's cool that you had the rye, the hundred proof. That's that's uh, fire breathing stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, that, that that was that was intense. <laughs> it, 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 I think like the the first uh, the entry point for me would be depending on what the person likes. If they're if they're bourbon drinkers, if they like the Kentucky small batch stuff, get them either the Texas pot still bourbon or I like the True Blue a lot. I think that's really really good. <clears throat> if they're tend to be scotch drinkers get them the texas single malt and then if they go man i like whiskey I, I don't know you're like talking too much about this can i have some whiskey get them the baby blue it's a great place to start those are i think the three best kind of entry points to what they do man that texas single malt a couple years ago won a blind taste test in scotland wow think about wow. that yeah right and they're like waco what is that what are you talking about <laughs> Did you say David Crash? I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Baylor, what, what is your what's your deal, man? So, uh, so yeah, it's it's very very impressive, and um, Ben and I are super stoked to be associated with it because it, it's a great product, man. Yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust Matt because, like I said, I given my my geographical situation here, I, I'm not really. Uh, not really able to get my hands on it myself unless I'm just out there. I will be out there this summer, uh, so I'm just I'm trusting Matt makes the right decision there, and I, I'm sure he will. But you know, my wife she likes going and doing stuff like that. You know, visiting uh, stuff like the distilleries and all that. So I, we'll probably find some time this summer to to go out there and check that out. I think that would be a ton of fun. How long are you, How long are you here for? 
Well, I'm actually coming out for uh, Dirk's celebrity baseball game, so oh, that's uh, great, I'm going to try to at least, it's probably going to be about four or five days I'm out there. Okay, is is your wife a fan, or maybe you're a fan, uh, of the show Fixer Upper? Y- yes, she is a big fan. Okay, of let me make a recommendation. Because uh, I took my daughter to Waco one time. We did a daddy-daughter day trip, but we did it on a Saturday. What I would recommend is go on a Tuesday or a Wednesday if you can, because weekends are hectic. And then Fix Rappers closed on Sunday because uh, they are uh, religious folks, so they're not going to be open down there on a Sunday. Right. But go on a uh, if you can go on a weekday, so that it's because that Fix Rapper place is a madhouse. Like it's insane, dude. But if you can, you go there. And then I'll get the name of this place for lunch. I can't, I can't remember the name of it. That's across street from Balcones. And then I'll I'll make sure if you tell me when you go, I'll make sure that the Balcones people, somebody will be there to do a tour for you. Since you're coming in special from Mississippi, so if you're but don't do it on a weekday. Or don't do you can go on a weekend if you're just going to go to Balcones. I wouldn't go to Fixer Upper on a on a weekend. Right. I'd rather uh, I'd rather be jumped and beaten. But. Uh, <laughs> But yes, let me know if you are going to go, and I'll make sure someone at Balcones shows you around and and, and get get you educated because it's an awesome place. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. I'll I'll text you when uh when we're when we're heading out that way when we get everything nailed down. Uh, but yeah, that that sounds like it'd be a great experience to have while we're out there. So I'm definitely going to look into that. Uh, but skin again, I mean, we really appreciate you coming on with us. It's always nice to. Uh, have you on and get your perspective on things and uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime in the future absolutely boys just hit me up y'all take care all right you have a good one man thanks again all right guys that's going to do it for another episode of the step back mavs podcast we really appreciate you guys coming in and listening to us every week your support is greatly appreciated uh we plan on bringing you guys the best mavs content available this off season and going into next season as well. Matt, you have anything to add? Uh, normally this is where I would kind of plug DallasBasketball.com, which is a great place for all your Mavericks news. Um, and Fish does a great job, and Dalton and I do our best to, to keep up with him. But in, in this space right now, I'd just like to give a shout-out to my boy Dame Lillard <laughs> Dame for, hitting, for hitting the best – game-winning playoff shot I think I've ever seen in my life. I mean, at least best buzzer-beating game-winning shot I've ever seen in my entire life. A 40-foot step back on the one of the best defensive players in the NBA to win a series and knock Russell Westbrook out at the same time and score 50 points. I mean, it was just incredible. Like, literally since Russell Westbrook said... Um, you know, whatever he said to Damian Lillard, like, I've been busting your ass for years, Dame, for years. He has just torn him. Damian has just torn him up. And last night was the culmination of that. And it was just, it was, it was delicious, Dalton. It was so delicious. I mean, I agree with you. I, I can't help, <laughs> I can't help but root for this Portland team, not just because Terry Stotts is the head coach and, you know, he was, he was an assistant on that 2011 Mavs team that won a title, but it's just there's so many similarities with with that with this Portland team this year and the Mavs team from two, 2011. You know they have one all they have one All Star in Lillard, 
The Mavs had one all-star in Dirk. You know, everybody counted them out in the first round, including myself. I picked OKC. I, I'm, I'm gladly eating crow on that one, though, because I wanted Portland to win. Uh, you know, it's it just they kind of have that same vibe to them. And I, I really would love to see them make it to the NBA Finals and, and win a title. Uh, I'm not sure how likely that is, but uh, I, I think that was a, a great – ending plug by you because he definitely deserves a shout out we are a Mavs podcast but we are we are joining in solidarity with Portland fans for the rest of this postseason <laughs> yeah no all, like people were calling the Mavs the one and done boys that year and I think people were saying a lot of the same stuff about Portland given what happened last year but also another similarity is they lost uh Yusuf Nurkic just like the Mavs people forget the Mavericks had Karam Butler yeah, and he was lost that season due to injury, so that's kind of similar too. I mean, I don't know. I, I'd love to see them make it, but we won't. We won't, you know, banter on about it. But yeah, well, I mean, like I said, it, it, that was amazing. This postseason has been kind of boring, but that like really opened up people's eyes, and I think the second round is going to be amazing. But again, guys, we thank you for coming in and listening to us. We got a lot of good stuff coming next week, and. Uh, the week after that, right before the, the NBA draft lottery when Mark Cuban will join us. So stick with us going uh, further into this offseason. We'll see you next week. Gotta keep rolling your boat. Yeah, I swear I give them hope. I say I'm cleaner than the soap. This time of year proves who will really sink a float. For yeah, it's the Mavericks. All about action. Don't do no action. No Samuel Jackson. Dirk at the ball. You know that it's magic. Post move deadly. Yeah, get tragic. Yeah, it's the Mavericks. All about action. Don't do no action. No Samuel Jackson. Dirk at the ball. You know that it's magic. Post move deadly. Yeah, get tragic. You know, in this game, it's a lot of grit. You know what I'm saying? Proves who has integrity. Late nights, early mornings. But we all want the trophy at the end of the day. And that's the beauty of this game. Because at the end of the day, only the real gon' float, man, for real. You either sink or you float. Only the real gon' float. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.